Welcome to Grow Up, the audio show gracing your ears, hosted by me, Taylor, and me, Jacqueline. Now that we're grown, we reflect on growing up, glowing up, and look at different industries, ideas, and people that need to grow the F up. We're talking back and looking forward with hope to a future that feels more like honey, led by people with a lot more heart. We serve up our pop culture analysis, real life talks, and future forecasts making predictions based on trends, sometimes data, and always our intuition. We def research our shit before looking into the crystal ball. So buckle up and thanks for being here. So welcome everybody. Welcome to the podcast. We've got an extra square on the screen today. Another voice in the chat joining us on today's episode is the at afternoon special on TikTok, Miss Bobby. Bobby, we're so happy to have you. Thanks for joining. So happy to be here. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Absolutely. So y'all, you can find Bobby online. She's a podcaster, YouTuber, content creator, and just a pop culture encyclopedia, truly. (laughs) First things first, I wanted Mm -hmm. to ask your name, the afternoon special. Is that after school special related? Is afternoon special something altogether? Yes. So it was kind of supposed to be like inspired by the like CBS after school special thing. And I was like, I want to do after school special. So I was like, afternoon special. That works. So that's how I came up with the name. Cute. I think it's cuter than after school special too, but it makes me think of, you said like CBS. It makes me think of like coming home from school and like three o'clock is when Arthur's on, but like we're chatting with Bobby. <laughs> exactly. No Arthur, just me. <laughs> oh, and then I also had a quick question for you. I saw on your Instagram stories, you were recently doing something with ASU. Were you like a speaker or joining them for something online? We're just both ASU grads, so I just thought I would ask. (laughs) Oh, love that. I think it was just like a a TikTok panel. I think they did a series talking to TikTokers from different marginalized communities. But I had a lot of fun doing that that chat. But good to know you guys are are alumni. That's awesome. Yes. We're uh, Arizona Mm -hmm. repping. I'm repping my my alma mater today, too. What's on there? The University of Georgia. Oh, okay. That's where I went to school. Is that Go Dogs? Go Dogs. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. So Mm -hmm. we can kind of just jump in. Tay, did you have any other, like, intro questions? Do you want to get into the topic? Um, I think we could get into the topic, talking about your name and everything. Wanted to ask you why pop culture is important to you and why you've chosen to center your content around pop culture i think pop culture just was just the only thing that made sense to me it's something that i've loved since i was a little kid i think the only thing that kind of rivals pop culture and it's still pop culture in and of itself is wrestling but even then it's like it's all pop culture i love film i love tv it's something that i've talked about at nauseum to my family and friends for years and they were like, you should do something with this, which was code word for stop telling us that this stuff. Um, <laughs> it's my first love, as I always like to say. Oh, I like that. Yeah, we also are obsessed with pop culture. We don't have as much a wealth of knowledge that you have, but we've always find it's kind of important. We have such a mix of cultures here that it's kind of like the one thing that ties us all together, but is also something that like gets written off as being kind of menial or not important to talk about. Yeah. Have it, you have felt that way at all? It's like, is this what you went to school for? Like, 
why, why do you care so much? And it's like, it's just my thing. Everyone has their things that they enjoy that make life, you know, a little bit more bearable. And this is, this is mine. And I think what you were saying was absolutely true. I think pop culture has a way of bringing a lot of big gobs of people together and you're able to find commonality on something like a TV show or a movie or a song. And that transcends life experience. It transcends age, race, all those things. Like you can find commonality in this like piece of art. And I just think that's cool. And honestly, when people are like, oh, pop culture is just so vapid and like no one should care about it. And I'm like, you have your form of pop culture that you like. With Josh and me, you have a movie <laughs> that you enjoy. You're not completely <laughs> devoid of entertainment sports that's pop culture yeah i was just gonna say <laughs> taylor and i always say sports are pop culture and the way that you have like references and throwback photos and the jerseys and let's watch this play from 2001 that's your little shared pop culture moment it's that's exactly it you have your little like what are celebrities to the rest of pop culture your favorite football player mm -hmm. is that's that's your person like come on relax you have pop culture too pop culture is culture just putting that yeah. out there once again um, so in two, like with what you have in the background there, your posters, what you talk about on TikTok, seems like you're a pretty big movie buff. So is that kind of the lens you see pop culture through or one of the big ones like TV and movies? Yeah, definitely TV and movies. I'm starting to branch out into more music and books because pop culture is basically any media. But mm -hmm. film and TV, those are kind of like my, my bread and butter. Which parlays perfectly into what we wanted to talk about today and uh, some of the trends going on with movies. This is just a side question. Talking about 90s and 90s culture, have either of you seen the new Top Gun? So I haven't seen okay. the new Top Gun. Okay. So. No, is it on either of your either. radars at all? I've mm -mm. been hearing a lot of really good things about it. Like, yes, only because of Lady Gaga. I was going to say her song. <laughs> I want to go see it now. I haven't seen the original Top Gun, so I like want to see that. It's on Netflix. So. I know Lady Gaga actually. I think she helped compose like the whole score for the movie, so that's my only interest in it. <laughs> and it's funny. It's like not a rom com, mm -hmm. but there definitely is like a big romance that's like a part of the story, and it ties into the first one too. I don't think I'm like spoiling anything there. Um, but just this like 90s resurgence is coming up in a lot of ways and it's just one of the trends I've noticed. But it's funny how some trends have become more popular and then some like less popular. Bobby, have you seen or interacted with the discourse online of the death of the rom-com and how that trend's going out? Do you have any like thoughts, feelings, opinions on it? the rom-com is is dying but it could be revived like we could bring it back but i think the rom-com as we knew it with b tier to like a minus tier stars and a very just simple story where it's pretty predictable we're out of that i think because film is definitely in its we want to subvert expectations phase which is cute but like sometimes <laughs> i just want to see hot people fall in love agreed <laughs> i don't feel like i'm crazy for asking for that but the 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 rom-com is, is dying, but I think it's kind of, they're kind of trying to bring it back, but I think we're just in a phase where a lot of people want very realistic, authentic depictions of love, and a lot of the times that's very messy and not very polished and sanitized as many rom-coms would have it depicted. So in probably like 10 years, we'll swing back around to the very kind of vapid rom-coms and then I will know peace. I'll be happy then. <laughs> I was going to ask you, what's your number one blueprint for rom-coms? I don't know if I have one. All of them tend to follow the same, like, kind of beats and format. I love a, a rom-com that is a little more calm than rom. I 
recently in the past year or so i fell in love with the like 1999 cheese all that rom-com i watched it and i was like why is this the perfect movie and i don't know if it was like delirium or what <laughs> i was like this is an amazing film and should be remembered for all time so that is probably like my my like perfect blueprint as of now I feel like I really dig that answer. And I think Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah. Like, deserves his moment as like a rom-com heartthrob. And if we're going to give him his moment, like it should be She's All That. It absolutely should. Followed by Scooby-Doo. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Those two movies really like locked me in. I'm like, Freddie, I'm your girl. <laughs> if it doesn't work out with Sarah Michelle, I'm here. Please. <laughs> Leaning more into the comedy side of the rom-com, I think, would be more successful just with today's culture. I absolutely agree. And I think that there's a lot of films that, that have great romance subplots, even if that's not what the movie is setting out to do. This is a dumb example, but I, I feel like a good one. Like, Shrek has a good, <laughs> like, romance subplot, but that's not, you wouldn't call Shrek a romance movie. Like, when romance is not the central focus, you kind of are able to play around with it a little bit more and have it be this brooding underbelly that ends up being really heartwarming by the end of the movie. So I think there are a lot of films who do that pretty well, but I agree. I think leaning into the comedy side of it more than the rom side of it would be successful in like this current day and age for sure. I think Shrek's such an interesting example too because it doesn't like follow like your classic who wins the girl in the end, you know? In a way that they were able to focus the storyline on more than just like the romance. The romance was a part of the story. And I never thought of saying it like I'm more calm than Rom, but I do really like that little soundbite there because <laughs> I think it takes a lot for a movie to be like really funny in a way that critics or whatever may not reward humor in the same ways but like if a line lands and if like people walk out of the movie quoting Mean Girls the fact that we can all quote Mean Girls like, that's a testament to the fact that that's like a well-written funny movie. I don't know I think maybe in a way I would even put like Mean Girls in the rom-com category because it's like not rom like really at all but in earlier movies we were only given like so many categories to put things like either it was like action drama i don't know maybe mean girls would just be comedy but it is interesting how we're kind of changing the landscape of movies and well i was gonna say if that she's all that could be made now but they did do that and it was he's all that and i don't know that i would like I have no interest to see that movie. <laughs> Don't watch it. Um, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. You're not missing literally anything. Okay, it's good. <laughs> now I have no game. need. <laughs> Absolutely. It's not great. I feel like chick flicks tend to be in the same mm. neighborhood as rom-coms a yes. lot. Um, so, like, they're in the same area. The only difference between a chick flick and a rom-com is that the man is a more pronounced lead character or like whatever the partner of the the woman is in the film i think they're like kind of one in the same like a lot of rom-coms are chick flicks a lot of chick flicks are rom-coms yeah i've been thinking about how the pandemic obviously has changed so much but I feel like it's really changed how we're consuming content and pre-pandemic basically had one main streaming service like everyone was on Netflix that was like their main streaming platform 
but now there's so many different platforms out there i can't even name the, all the ones that i'm subscribed to because it's gotten to that point like there's so many and we're seeing creators now or like shows or movies that are really interesting and being advertised to us but that they're behind like different paywalls so you have to have so many different platforms to go and watch these things and then for a moment too theater was dying going to the movie theaters was already like on the way out before the pandemic died and i think there's been a bit of a resurgence just for the nostalgia aspect of going to the movie theater but i'm curious if what your opinion is on how that's changing how movies are made and how studios are making movies and advertising for them. Yeah, I think, like you said, the pandemic has definitely done a number on the industry in so many ways. And I think we're kind of entering a weird kind of experimental age where we're getting a lot of very interesting movies that of course you're gonna have your franchises your mcus your dc like your superhero films like those are always gonna make a lot of money but i feel like we're getting a lot more wholly original stories like everything everywhere all at once is a movie that just like blew my mind it was so so good and it's kind of mirroring how film was in 1999 where there was just a lot of movies that set the tone for what the next 20 years of films would be like and even like going 20 years before that in the 70s with like the new hollywood era so it feels like every 20 years we reach a point where films are going to be original again and then you have people trying to make derivatives of those original films and then you kind of cycle back to like a new class of really original content I definitely think we're kind of in that age where we're getting a lot more experimental, a lot more genre bending movies. And then I agree, I think there's definitely been a resurgence of going to the movies. And it was crazy because before the pandemic, it was actually dying. Like going to the movies was like a, it was not uh, as viable as probably it is now where people are just wanting to be out in the world again. So I think there's a bigger emphasis on going to the theater, watching a movie, the whole song and dance of seeing it on the big screen and seeing it with other people we're kind of in a weird way it's like it feels like the movies are back but they're not they never really went anywhere they're just revamped i guess it's the mm -hmm. nicole kidman meme of her at amc theaters <laughs> it really is nicole nicole kidman saved hollywood for all <laughs> a part of the reason why people weren't going to the theaters before is the less time we spend watching commercials like yes we're still watching ads but you know, those are obviously more targeted than like the general commercials we were getting when we were watching like cable television and like getting excited for these movies that would be advertising months and months in advance of their release. Now, because we're like diluted onto like where we're watching and consuming these things. Yeah, absolutely. I think there are a lot more like tentpole movies, movies that everyone is going to go see, like Spider Man No Way Home. People who had nothing to do with the MCU went to go see that movie. But I think also just like streaming is dividing our attention with going to see movies too. When we were kind of like in the thick of the pandemic, there were some movies that did theatrical and same day streaming release. And a lot of streaming platforms haven't quite shaken that. So that divides like how many people are going to go to the, the movies and see it when they can just turn on you know their tv and watch a movie that's in the theaters for free but it's not for free because they're paying for it so mm -hmm. it's kind of like a weird divide in the the marketing of it depending on like how you're going to release a movie i've definitely googled like every movie that's come out in the last six months i've googled to see if i could just stream it at home <laughs> i'm either the victim of it or i'm making them the victim of it i'm not quite sure <laughs> 
I get it though. Like some movies, I'm like, ah, like do I want to go all the way to the theater and like pay like twenty bucks now to go and see it? If it's the Batman, the answer was yes. I did it three <laughs> times. Uh, just oh wow. I, I enjoyed it uh, that much, <laughs> and it had nothing to do with Robert Pattinson being hot at all. Um, <laughs> you but, just love Nirvana. <laughs> I, I love something in the way. I had to see it. I had to see it on the big screen three times mm-hmm. in a three-hour movie. So, like, I've done that too. Where I'm like, I want to go see this in theaters, and I'll just be like, no, I'll just wait for it to come to streaming. What do you think is besides like the experience of actually being in the theater, but the experience of watching the film? What is the difference to you from being in the movie theater versus streaming? Oh, it's like the the collective spectatorship of it all. Going to a movie theater, see it with a bunch of people who, you know, you may know, you may not know, and you're usually responding in the same way. You're you're excited or you're sad or you're angry, you're reacting. I think that is what kind of is the main difference. Also, I just think the sport of going to a movie theater, the the ritual of showing up to a movie theater, you get your popcorn, you know, it's a contentious thing of like, what do you, what's your movie theater order? Or if you like sneak food in Mm -hmm. like I do, then that's not really a big deal. But (laughs) like having an opinion on the perfect seat and like all these other things, a lot of people have a lot of opinions that are surrounding the art of going to the movie theater and everyone has a different definition of what is the perfect way to go. And I think we find a lot of kin in that and then it's also just like I don't know there's something to do like a good activity it's a good pastime even if you go to a theater and you're watching a movie that's been out for six months and the theater is empty to sit in a theater watching a screen that's like 20 feet tall and like having sound around you it's better than being at home and you're just watching it like on your computer where the sound is just coming at you in one direction it's not surround sound unless you have a surround sound computer which is awesome that's kind of the 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 reason why they're so different i agree plus the movie theater popcorn it just tastes so much better than what you can make at home for some reason it's different i i worked at a movie theater for one summer college (laughs) and i made a lot of popcorn and i can tell you the difference is that it's just so much more (laughs) butter and salt but hey yeah i mean come on you're at the movies (laughs) you might as well you might as well get your raisinets raisinets is that your go-to that's mine yep Uh, let me tell you it's like a little crunchy it's a little sweet (laughs) it's a little salty it's like kind of the vibe i I respect it all right right. going with your grandparents (laughs) (laughs) california raisins okay it does make me think like going to the movies i live in arizona so it's like hot so it the summer blockbusters were always really fun because you could go see the movie with everyone else be in the ac and not have to worry about the heat and also coming out of the pandemic it's something we can like still do in our loungewear you can still wear your leggings and be comfy and go to the movies i've seen the meme of like i'm never wearing jeans again why did i ever wear jeans and it's like you don't have to wear jeans at the movies you sure don't you You can show up literally however you would like Mm -hmm. to show up and i have witnessed it firsthand people (laughs) show up however they want to show up but it's so true there's also 
though, like a weird subgroup of people who do make going to the movie like a, a fashion experience, mainly for like Marvel movies. Like they'll have, oh. you know, like shirts or they'll have these outfits they put together that are themed to like a character. And they get like dressed up. It's like a whole thing. And that's not my prerogative, especially when those movies are like three hours. I'm not going to sit <laughs> and be uncomfortable. But I enjoy that, you know, people mm. like get into it like that. One thing I've noticed with TikTok is that trends are circulating so quickly, and I think it was a Voxer article about trends dying and trends being dead, or like Namecore being this thing that's potentially on its way out too, where like we're naming too many trends that are happening, because with TikTok it seems like everything is happening all at once. I was wondering if you think that that's impacted films and the type of films that people are making. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think on my little corner of, of TikTok, we don't get into trends all that much, but the trends that seep from outside of film and TV do seep into to film and TV, and I think it's in how people engage with movies so if it's a trend to kind of be a dick about you know some thing in a movie then that's going to inform how people are going to interact with it like cgi is always the critique du jour i think for a lot of people and how a lot of people tend to like jump on the trend of being like oh this cgi looks terrible which they didn't live through the early 2000s when cgi was actually pretty bad <laughs> um it's just like the thing to do and so I think it informs a lot of how they're going to engage with the material and then you know six months later when it's not cool to trash CGI again they're just like oh I would never say that CGI was bad and so it's just this endless cycle of critique and analysis constantly like shifting and it's kind of skewing how people should view a movie or a tv show in general trends like you know like fashion trends tiktok will definitely impact how films want to dress their characters and if they dress them how tiktok wants them to dress right now when that movie is done even three months later it will be the most out-of-date looking thing you've ever seen and you're like why does it look like that and it's like well they went off of a trend that was like a micro trend that lasted it for like a one month cycle and now it's over with so i think it's just best to like avoid trends if you can especially for how long it takes movies and tv shows to get made the way you remain timeless is when you don't lean into a trend like you just go with something that's pretty ageless so that your film doesn't have age or like look dated you know what i mean i think that makes sense why there's so many superhero movies being made now there's always so many superhero movies being made but i think now there's like this real resurgence of it you know it's because they're timeless stories and so many different people will come to see them yeah absolutely i think that's why i get the critique of it everyone wants to misquote martin scorsese and what he said about mcu movies being like theme park attractions or something like that and i understand it but they are stories that are pretty universal they're not too complex everybody can relate to them and also a lot of these characters have been around for decades and so people can be fans of them in that way it makes a lot of sense i get it do i think there's a little bit too much superhero media right now yeah but you know i think it'll start mm -hmm. kind of dying back down i think as the years to come going back to rom-coms is there a rom-com that was made recently that you thought did a really good job a true rom-com i think is the lost city and it was really good with That's like a list star which 
I thought that point that you mentioned earlier was a good one. I was talking with my boyfriend and he was like, well, what was that one movie we watched on Netflix? And it was Always Be My Maybe with Ali Wong, Mm -hmm. which is like a funny enough movie and it is a rom-com, but it's more like Ali Wong's movie that happens to be a rom-com. It's not like the two biggest actors coming together for like the blockbuster movie, but Lost City, I even remember like the marketing of that was very much like this is going to be the summer rom-com everyone loves sandra bullock or daniel radcliffe or channing tatum come on yeah i think because that was like the fun thing about rom-coms back in the day you'd be like oh matthew mcconaughey and kate hudson are going to be in this movie or like j-lo and matthew Matthew mcconaughey (laughs) matthew mcconaughey was really I can't fault them for it. Like, he had the look, he's southern twang, I get it. But that was, like, the fun part of seeing, like, mm-hmm. these A-list stars and they're in this movie. Or, like, if you go, like, to more 90s, Meg Ryan or Claire Danes, like, being in something. Well, maybe not so much Claire Danes, but definitely Meg Ryan. Like, if she was going to be in something, you knew it was going to be a hit. But, yeah, like, that's the fun part about it, seeing big stars in, like, big movies. It doesn't need to change my life. Like, it could just be a fun a fun little romp, and that's exactly what The Lost City was. I think that's an important point, that we're talking about entertainment here, and sometimes entertainment, sometimes in our culture we want everything to be so meaningful and have, like, something meaningful behind it. When it comes down to it, a rom-com is just pure entertainment in its purest form, and it's fun. watch it's a good story even if it's not the best or most insightful yeah like you're just there to have a good time and i think media has so many different purposes and like uses i saw tiktok and i agreed with like the kind of central thesis of it but the creator was saying that a bad media diet is like having you know like if you eat too much fast food obviously that's not a healthy diet so if you consume too much bad media it's gonna make you dumber and while I, I do agree with like that central point, I think a good media diet is a balanced one. Like you have your hoity-toity, artsy-fartsy films that are thought-provoking and meant to change your life. But then you just have movies that are just meant to be a good time. Like you can just shut your brain off and watch hot people do whatever they do. And that's like a good balance. Mm-hmm. You gotta have both versus I only interact with high art and that's all I interact with or I only interact with stuff that doesn't make me think like you gotta do both that's a that's a good a happy medium is, mm-hmm. is like both you know yeah it wasn't um a box office movie but it was a Netflix film it was like a Christmas one called Love Hard but I felt like that was a I don't know if you've seen it but I felt like that one was a really good rom-com how do I explain it? It's like when something takes on, like, does, like, the modern things, but it doesn't in a way that's not, like, too cheesy, where you're like, oh my god, like, they met on a dating app, but it wasn't, like, oh my god, the cringiest thing ever to watch. Like, it was kind of, like, a little more realistic than when media tries to do what the kids are doing these days, you know? I feel like Netflix is the Hallmark channel now, where they'll just churn out a bunch of rom-coms, and it'll be, like, 20 of them. And you're like, oh, have you seen this? And I was like, no, have you seen this? Like, no. And they got no publicity whatsoever, but they were just kind of put on the platform and people somehow just like find them. And Vanessa Hudgens is in like half of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's the magic They're on what? Number three for the Christmas princess Something. one? Yeah. The princess switch. Yes, that yeah. I think that's it. 
Netflix, though, because Netflix has some more, like, realistic competition now, I wonder if they're going to try to go into, like, bigger productions where they actually are putting movies in the theaters. I imagine that they'll probably try. I think, and a lot of people on, online have said this, like, with Stranger Things. I don't watch Stranger Things. Spoiler alert. I don't. Neither do I. <laughs> I can't do Neither? scary oh my god me either i posted a story saying should i watch stranger things and it got more interaction than any story i've ever had (laughs) a third of everyone who watched my story voted yes and it still wasn't enough for me to watch it and i'm sorry i cut you off (laughs) (laughs) no but it's like it's so true i think with the problem this is like a slight rant on stranger things it has been recommended to me since that show came out because i'm a big et you've got jurassic park i love 80s i love spielberg and the first season was very from what i've heard was like very 80s spielberg kids on bikes like you know fun little adventure and i was like okay like i might check that out but now it's something that is completely different from that i think i don't want to watch that it looks very scary and i will not be doing that but with stranger things i think netflix should have release the i guess it's going to be like the last two episodes of volume two for season four they're going to be like two and a half hours long and i'm like just release it in theaters like who is wanting to sit and watch that at home the urge to like get up and want to stop it Mm -hmm. and like go watch something else i would not want to just sit still for that long so i think it would have been a better opportunity to have a theatrical release of this like tv show the four seasons in a movie thing or like six seasons in a movie thing Mm -hmm. you know like have it be like this big ticket moment versus putting it all in one go so people can binge it all in one weekend or one week and then it kind of goes into the ether and people don't talk about it anymore i think that's kind of the one thing that's kind of backfired with netflix they created the binge model you release a season all at once you watch it in one weekend and then you know it kind of goes away but now we've circled back to weekly releases and so that doesn't that binge model like doesn't work with Mm -hmm. it anymore the hype for stranger things is still pretty high but it's starting to die down where they could have had a chokehold on media for like nine weeks or for however many like episodes there were i don't know with netflix they're gonna do what they do i think that's interesting that you like you bring up that now they're going back to the re- weekly releases because once i noticed that that was happening it made me really think about like some of these shows that i would watch growing up that you really would have the scheduled time to sit down where before you could even pause for commercials before you could even pause the television and you had to like run and grab things on a commercial or something i'm wondering though it's such a habit for us to binge now i don't know what time these shows come out i even seen people like promoting that their own shows and they're like yeah it's coming out weekly it's like thursday or friday or whatever that like they they're not even sure like what day their show gets released every week And I'm wondering if they could, like, get us back into that habit because I do, though, think it's kind of a smart move because, especially in the pandemic, I've gotten to this point a few times where it's, you're just, like, fatigued by the content that you're consuming. Like, I don't even know what to turn on, you know, because there's so much. You finally find a show and you watch every single episode and you're like, well, now I'm back to square one. Yes. I want to say, like, the disney mcu shows kind of 
got that ball rolling with doing weekly releases, especially with WandaVision. Even people who didn't care about the MCU, they were like, I gotta see what happens in WandaVision because it was like 30, 45 minutes every single week. It's ending on a cliffhanger. You're like dying to know what's going to happen the next week. It creates a sense of like community around it, which is what TV was before and there's still like with the binge model there were still community around it but you would talk about it in a different way you're having to talk about big swaths of content at one time with stranger things seeing a lot of the conversation now is talking about so many of these different moments that are happening in a season where each episode is an hour or more and that's a lot to talk about like every single time you want to talk about the mm -hmm. show versus you can kind of talk about one episode a week you pick over that episode you can talk about this really good moment or this really good line and then the next week you see how that episode builds on this episode and it's just like a a recurring thing that's a little bit more natural versus talking about 10 hours worth of content in one go like it just doesn't seem natural you lose the speculation of it all it makes me think Okay. Going up. Oh, real quick. It was just Thursday night Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> and then that was like the marketing behind it. It was like Grey's Anatomy night. And then like every other show that was new on that channel would come after Grey's Anatomy. And then it was like, oh, did you watch last night's episode? Did you watch the new show that premiered right after it? And the swaths of content that you mentioned, Bobby. I, I'm definitely there. I wanted to watch Peaky Blinders. And my boyfriend was like, we have to like just watch it through. So now we're on season four. And I'm like, I feel like I haven't even been able to savor the individual episodes of this show that I like. Anyway. Yeah, because you're just trying to get to the end or like yes. get caught up and you can't even really think about, okay, what did I just watch? Like I consumed the content, but what did I just consume? You know, yeah, it's, just it's like the TikTok of it all. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Definitely is the TikTok yep. of it all. <laughs> mm -hmm. So if you were going to cast a rom-com, who would be your top two choices? Oh my gosh. So the first answer I had was me and anyone that I think is attractive. Um, <laughs> I really want to see Tom Holland in a rom-com. I, I see him in a rom-com. I think that would be a good, a good like a rom-com coming of age that's not gritty. I think he tries to do the action thing and it, it just doesn't work. But I think like Tom Holland should be in something who should be opposite? I mean, opposite him would be like the obvious choice would be Zendaya. Zendaya. But, uh, maybe who's like up and coming still? Maybe like Marseille Martin, who's on Blackish. She's really great. Ooh, um, I might have to Google her. She's awesome. Uh, she's doing a lot of like producing work and she's very, very young. I think she's younger than me, but she's, she's awesome. I think just like getting more new talent, like a talent that people haven't seen before but i i really just think we need hot people that's the that's the <laughs> crux of yeah. what i need in a rom-com i need two hot people i don't need the guy who's like uh like kind of ugly hot no no i need attractive across the board that's the only thing i need there's like a breathtaking moment where we're all like <gasps> like the miles teller meme i don't know even if you haven't seen uh Top Gun Maverick, there's the scene of like shirtless Miles Teller that's been yeah. floating around. Like that's a moment, you know? That's just like a hot person being hot in a movie. That that is a moment. I will say Miles Teller is not even the hottest person in that scene. Oh, very true. Um, because <laughs> I haven't seen the movie, but I have seen that scene. And yeah. I'm like, guys, go to your local like bar in your town and you're you're gonna find Miles Teller. That's so <laughs> like, true. There's so many guys who look like him. He's 
kind of a dime a dozen. But I, mean, yeah. I won't yuck your yum, but you know, <laughs> he's, he's out there. I wanted to ask you a question just about like the future of rom-coms. And one that I've seen recently and wondering if you've seen like online at all, but uh, Fire Island, does this ring any bells for you? Yeah. Have you Ooh. seen it? I have not seen it yet, but I do love Bowen Yang uh, so, oh, so too. much. Do you uh, happen I... to listen to the Las Culturistas podcast? I haven't listened to it in okay. so long. I'm so oh. bad, but I, I've listened to it before. I guess I could, for the listeners, give like a little TLDR Fire Island. It's written by a queer Asian man, and it's a gay story of young gay men who are on what would be... The only other movies made about, like, something similar, I think, would be, like, Girls Trip, but this is, like, the guy's trip, and they're going to this very fun holiday. And I've been seeing everyone call it a rom-com, which I thought was interesting, but it's also, I think, a cool idea for rom-coms in the future. Different storylines. I will say, all hot people. So, like, that that box is checked. Bo and Yang and then his Las Culturistas co-host, Matt Rogers, are both in the movie. Oh, I love that. It's definitely something that's been on my list, and I definitely think we're moving in that direction for rom-coms. It can be revived, but I think what needs to be a part of its revival is showing rom-coms of like different people. Because growing up, a lot of the rom-coms that I can think of off the top of my head are two white people. Yes. And maybe there's been like a couple of rom-coms that have had like two black leads, but nothing major. Hot people are universal and all genders, all sexualities, like all races. We need to be moving in a point where there are a lot more like queer rom-coms and not just like to white queer people, but like queer people of color, you know, disabled people, all these different identities should have a story that they can look at and be like, wow, like, you know, love is for me too. Because I think a lot of those movies that we grew up with, as much as I love She's All That, Gabrielle Union is kind of the only black woman in it other than Little Kim, Lil Kim for some reason. Um, she's really. Yeah. I feel like, like I'm so close to remembering it, but it's so fuzzy. I can't. That's so interesting. She has like a couple of lines, but nothing major. But when I was watching it for the first time, I turned to my boyfriend and I was like, is that Lil' Kim? And he's like, yeah, that's Lil' Kim. I was like, that's Lil' Kim. That's um, But yeah, like even then, Gabrielle Union was holding it down for black woman representation in these rom-coms. And even then, she wasn't the romantic interest. So now we're moving into uh, a season of getting more rom-coms that feature a lot more identities. There was a rom-com with Issa Rae and Kumail Nanjiani. Yes. I can't remember the name of it, but we should be getting more rom-coms where there are so many identities that are being represented. Because I think that's what's necessary, and I think that's kind of what killed or was part of the killing of the traditional rom-com was a lot of people from marginalized communities being like, okay we get it we've seen white people fall in love a lot maybe like some stuff with us please so i think we're moving in that direction i think fire island is a beautiful example of it i've been hearing nothing but glowing reviews for it so i'm excited to watch it for myself because it just it looks so good and also like bow and yang i love them yeah (laughs) and i will say a movie that's more like calm than rom there's like some really funny bits in there and if you appreciate pop culture do you watch real housewives at all Oh, of course I do. Okay, so there's a <laughs> lot of good Real Housewives stuff in there. So it's, like, fun to watch for that reason, too. It, like, keeps you engaged. 
I did want to touch on the Gabrielle Union of it all because like even She's All That and 10 Things I Hate About You, like mm-hmm. she really was like holding it down for that generation of actresses in a way that like she's talked about a lot. Um, yeah. But also thinking about Bring It On and how there's been kind of this resurgence of the Clover story and how the Clovers, which is like who the cheerleading team that Gabrielle Union is a part of in the movie, how audiences wanted more of that. Like these people have have been there. There's been folks that wanted to hear the Clover story. There's been folks that want to hear a queer story and want to see more people of color represented. But it's just been the like putting the pen to paper and like getting these movies made that has been a little bit more slow moving. But hopefully with streaming platforms and with more opportunities for people we can have more of that yeah i always bring up bring it on because it's like a movie that i can quote from beginning and <laughs> every single line of bring it on i can quote it but i've always held up that it's a really like progressive storyline for the time because it's a story about cultural appropriation which was not really happening in a lot of teen comedies of that day but i think it, it definitely kind of laid the groundwork for where we could be moving with those types of stories i, I learned about the whole like clover like with the the trailer for bring it on they shot those like extra scenes of the clovers that appear in the trailer but like don't make it into the movie because audiences were like we want to see more of the clovers and they use the trailer as a way to like oh they're in more of the movie and they weren't so i think we're hollywood is needing to to catch up with what people have been wanting since 1999 since the very beginning of like getting these stories that show so many different people and tell so many different stories but still have the core roots of a comedy or like a rom-com like those things that we enjoy but just through the lens of different people the demand has always been there i think it's just hollywood being stuck in its very a lot of the times archaic ways yeah um and assuming that oh you know these communities don't go out and spend money they won't support it and it's like they will, but you just got to make it. Like, yeah, you got to give them an opportunity. Like, if you build it, they will come. I think Hollywood even said that. So. Exactly. It's like, you guys said that. So. <laughs> oh, my gosh, Bobby. I feel like I could literally talk to you forever. <laughs> but we can wrap it up. Thank you so much for being on the pod. Thank you mm-hmm. for dropping some knowledge, sharing your info. People can find you online at The Afternoon Special, correct? Yes, on TikTok and on Instagram, and then over on Twitter at Hi, I'm Bobby. Hi, I'm Bobby. And you have a podcast as well, right? I do. And it's funnily enough called the Hi, I'm Bobby podcast. Oh, perfect. And it's available where all fine podcasts are sold. Wherever, Wherever you're streaming now. So only two things to remember, you guys. Hi, I'm Bobby and the afternoon special. But with that, I think we'll wrap it up from here. I feel like we'll need to have you back because I have like so many other things that we could talk about. Oh my gosh. It's just, <laughs> just email me. I will. Come oh, back. perfect. This was so perfect. Much fun. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming on and uh, thanks so much. Thanks for listening, Bestie. You can follow us here on Spotify and Instagram. Join our email list too to make sure you never miss an episode and stay in the loop on all the cool stuff we're doing. We do this all for you and just so little for us. So thank you so much for being part of our community in the chaos. We'll see you next Thursday. Bye, Jacqueline. Bye, Taylor.